given the banks have kind of not been able to do it for a while, I think there's some pent up energy to have a decent potential dividend increase and will raise the distribution rate on ZEB accordingly as the banks do themselves. Welcome to Deep Dive, a special episode of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these episodes, we put BMO GAM's investment strategies under the microscope so you can see how they work for your clients and your practice. In today's episode, Daniel Stanley, Chris Heeks, and Sorab Movahedi explore the upbeat third quarter earnings of Canadian banks, providing valuable context about where the big six are today, where they're headed in Q4, and which ETF strategies offer the best risk-adjusted exposure for your clients. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and bookmark bmoetfs.ca in your browser. Welcome to the fourth episode of our deep dive series on Canadian quarterly bank earnings. Today, we're covering the third quarter 2021 bank earnings announcements, and we will return each quarter on this channel to update you on the latest financial results. My name is Daniel Stanley. I'm an ETF specialist at BMO Exchange Traded Funds. I'm joined today by my friends and colleagues, Chris Heeks, Portfolio Manager for all of BMO's equity and multi-asset ETS, and Sorad Movahedi, Managing Director, Financials Research at BMO Capital Markets. Today, we're going to cover the recent bank earnings announcements and what they mean for investors and the Canadian economy, as well as looking at different ETF strategies that give you exposure to the Canadian banks. So without further ado, Chris and Saurabh, thank you guys for taking the time to join me today. Let's get started. Saurabh, I want to start with you because the title of your third quarter bank earnings preview was, and I quote, poverty of revenue growth, lower credit to drive earnings. Does this accurately summarize the results from the banks that were reported over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, you know, I would say I believe so. You know, if you look at the Big six as an industry, they reported cash operating earnings of about fifteen point one billion in the fourth in the third quarter. That was up fifty five percent from last year, but that increase was primarily due to lower credit provision. So if you think about the big six in the third quarter provision for credit losses, we're actually in a net recovery position of uh, $400 million. That compares to a charge of $6.8 billion a year ago. So that was a $7.2 billion favorable swing year over year. Um, so, you know, why was that? Well, remember that as the pandemic kind of started, you know, now we're going back to uh, literally the second quarter of 2020 for the banks, the big six increased what we will refer to as uh, loan loss reserves on their performing loans. So these were not loans that had gone bad, but because of the deterioration in their outlook, because of the, you know, the pandemic, uh, there was a need to uh, beef up reserves for potential future losses. So they took these reserves across the group to a peak of just around $25 billion by fourth quarter of 2020. Uh, they had been maybe closer to around $18 billion in the first quarter 2020. So that'll give you a sense of the, the kind of increase you had 
uh, going into uh, the year end last year. And so, so far, this fiscal year, they've been steadily declining those balances, basically releasing some of those uh, um, allowances, which now look maybe too conservative back into earnings by the end of the third quarter. They're back down to around $20 billion in allowances. And so the decline in performing loans, allowances, if you will, was a tailwind and accounted for 7.2 of the 7.5 billion year over year improvement in their pre-tax earnings. So on the on the part of the credit driving the earnings, I'd say yes, we were right, maybe even more so than we had expected. On the part of the uh, revenues, I you know if collectively revenue growth was a was a modest four percent. But the good news is all of the big six banks reported higher year-over-year revenues in the third quarter of 2021, although admittedly you probably had to squint a bit to see TD's 10 basis point uh, year-over-year revenue growth. Uh, Clearly banks with better revenue diversification, here I'm thinking uh, not just geographically, but between spread and fee-based revenues, benefited from the vibrant uh, environment both uh, in wealth and certainly capital markets advisory and uh, reported better revenue uh, re- uh, growth. Uh, but, you know, to say, uh, I, I guess it's comfortably, I can say that lower credit was a common driver of earnings beats across all of the big six, but at least relative to our numbers, only CIBC and national I guess the two smallest of the big six also could attribute some of the beat from a revenue perspective. Uh, We don't cover BMO, but from what I can tell, BMO also uh, produced revenues better than expectations. So yeah, I would say credit was a big tailwind and expect that to continue to be a tailwind. Uh, We can talk about that a bit later. And, uh, you know, revenues are slow to come by in part because that growth is going to be against much tougher comps uh, as well. Thanks, Saurabh. Yeah, I look forward to hearing a little bit more about the, uh, the that tailwind. Will that last going forward? Uh, certainly, we've seen the performance of the banks has been has been very strong. And, and Chris, I want to turn to you for for a minute here because you know the most efficient way to own the Canadian banks the BMO Equal Weight Bank ETF, ZEB, that ETF just got a lot less expensive. Can you tell us a little bit about the change to ZEB and, and talk about why ZEB is an enduring trade as opposed to trying to pick the right bank? For sure. Thanks, Dan. Great to be here again. So, yes, ZEB has gotten a lot less expensive. So, unfortunately, the weather has gotten cooler as of September 1st, but uh, at least the management fee on ZEB, it's gone down from 55 basis points to 25 basis points. So substantial um, uh, substantial cut in the management fee, that's going to be a real uh, net benefit for investors. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, to say it's an enduring trade is just, you know, so accurate. ZEB is one of our longest tenured ETFs, um, over 12 years history. The ZEB average return is 12% a year. Um, and that's a very good return in context to the TSX, which is uh, returning 8%. Um, ZEB, like our other sector ETFs in Canada, are equal weighted. 
So you don't have to guess which bank to necessarily own. You can just simply have the the industry exposure and, and the, the ETF gives you that nice, clean uh, one ticket approach. You know, one thing one thing that I think is a bit interesting is actually equal weighted approach has outperformed just that simple market cap approach in banks for about uh, almost one percent a year uh, over those past 12 years. So the equal weight approach, not only does it take care of that rebalancing, um, historically has added some value as well, because when it rebalances to, to, to achieve that equal weight, you tend to buy the banks that have sold off and sell the banks that have rallied. And that, that tends to be actually, a, you know, like I said, a trade that has worked out um, pretty well, at least over the last decade. Um, as banks mean revert somewhat, so um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it was a you know it was a great um, you know it's a great fee cut. You know I think ZDB it's it's um, already I, I believe you know I would say it's a trusted tool for bank exposure. Um, so over two billion in assets trades two million shares a day, you know and that's about seventy five million dollars of value traded uh, per day. And and I think that you know the fee cut further cements ZDB as the go to tool for Canadian banks as you know it's not only the largest and most liquid it's now also the cheapest as well for for Canadian investors so you know exciting announcement to start the start the uh, almost fall for uh, for us at BMO thanks for that Chris yeah the, at, at two billion in assets banks are, are tremendously uh, popular as an investment Sorab, I want to come back to you because, you know, the bank's profitability metrics uh, certainly <laughs> reinforce that popularity. Uh, the profitability metrics like return on assets, return on equity, they did rebound last quarter uh, based on those credit recoveries that we just talked about. Going forward, you know, should investors expect to be rewarded with higher valuations without revenue-driven earnings growth? Yeah, uh, well, look, uh, you're right. The third quarter, the big six collectively, the annualized return on asset was 91 basis points. That is the highest quarterly return on asset since at least Q1 of 2012. It surpasses the previous high watermark of, call it 89, 90 basis points between Q1 and Q3 2018. Uh, the ROA uh, helped make sure the industry ROE this quarter uh, was 17.4%. Right? What's really, really important for everyone to remember is that this 17.4% ROE this quarter is on capital levels across the industry that would uh, compute to 13.2% from a regulatory perspective, you know, the highest ROE the group had previously would have been in the third quarter of 2014 when they gave you similar ROE levels, but on capital level of 9.8%, so under 10%. So you've got 30% higher capital levels. I guess one way to think about that is you've got much lower leverage, still the same ROE, which obviously goes to show you that it is the returns on the assets that kind of making the assets sweat, so to speak, that's driven that. Like you said, there's no doubt that this quarter's profitability was buoyed by credit recoveries. But I'll tell you what, we're hopeful that as the return on asset normalizes, as the credit recoveries or 
become more credit costs again, so will the capital levels, right? So remember, we still have the regulatory restrictions in place that is really uh, has the net effect of these capital levels uh, ratcheting up, continue to ratchet up at the banks. And so once these regulatory capital levels are a bit more normalized as well, I'm not suggesting they're going to go down below 10%, but I certainly don't think the industry needs to be running at 13%. You know, there is the math of the puts and takes of the ROA and the capital levels that would suggest maybe the ROEs should hold. You know, having said all that, and as you uh, alluded to in your uh, question, it is worth noting that investors have historically been a bit more comfortable rewarding the bank stocks with higher, let's say, PE valuation multiples when the top line growth is 5% or better. Uh, like I said, you know, this quarter we had a 4% top line growth across the industry. So we're really knocking on that 5% door. If the momentum continues, we could find ourselves in a situation that we have the benefit of both top line growth, positive every, uh, operating leverage, and better credit. And uh, we think that should be helpful to higher valuation multiples. And by the way, our target prices for the banks are based on some positive re-rating here as far as the price earnings valuation multiples uh, are concerned uh, for the banks. Thanks, Sarab. That's that's a really interesting point that, in effect, the banks have the same return on equity um, with, with you know, less leverage uh, than they have in the past. You are listening to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're looking for timely trade ideas to navigate the current market, we encourage you to tune in each Thursday for our weekly Views from the Desk episodes. You'll hear razor-sharp insights, commentary, and ETF strategies from our portfolio managers, as well as questions submitted directly from our audience of Canadian financial advisors. Chris, turn over to you. And we talk, we've talked about how the regulators uh, are not allowing dividend increases. Let's just assume for a minute that the regulators give the go-ahead to the banks to increase dividends. Chris, can you just describe the mechanics of how ZEB, that ETF, would incorporate that change? And will the experience from the investor point of view, would it be identical if the investor owned the bank stock as it would be to owning ZEB? Yeah, for sure. And I think this is one of the most kind of exciting things in the space is this prospect of increased dividends. Um, you know, from the investor point of view, um, it's 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 really the same. You know, we, you know, as an ETF, whether it's a bank portfolio or a dividend portfolio, you know, we're going to pay out what we earn. Um, and uh, but the one the one difference I would say is that what we do on ZEB or ZWB, the covered call Canadian banks, is we pay out a monthly distribution. Um, so the six banks held, um, they pay quarterly dividends. You know, they pay a little bit chunkier dividends on a quarterly basis. You know, what, what we do and what we find, you know, a lot of investors, um, when they're managing perhaps monthly, you know, cash flows, prefer that monthly distribution. So, you know, what we really do is just take, you know, the dividend yield of the banks, um, divide it by 12, and that's what we, you know, and less expenses, which are now, as we mentioned, um, significantly decreased. So dividend yield, less expenses divided by 12, and that, and that's what we pay 
you know, out on a monthly basis. So from a investor experience point of view on ZEB, you know, for the last couple of years, that distribution has been 10 cents a share, you know, very solid, you know, it's, you know, it's comforting to remind ourselves that banks never, never cut their dividends in 2008, nor did, nor did they, of course, in, in during COVID. Um, so, but it's been at that 10 cents a share level for the last couple of years. Um, but, um, you know, analysts, you know, Saurabh is, 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 is and other analysts are, you know, talking about the potential for that to potentially increase, right, when, when this restriction um, falls off. So that, you know, from the investment point of view, probably that 10 cents is going to go to 11, could go to 12, um, maybe even 13. There's, I've seen estimates as high as, um, you know, in that 10 to 30% range, depending on the bank. So there's, um, you know, given the banks have kind of not been able to do it for a while, I think there's some pent up energy to have a, a, a decent potential dividend increase. And, um, and and from the ETF perspective, you know, it's just a very smooth and seamless um, perspective and, and will raise the distribution rate on ZEB accordingly, you know, as the banks do themselves. Thanks for that, Chris. And uh, Sarab, I want to talk a little bit about that pent-up demand for for uh, dividends because in your uh, third quarter bank earnings preview, you you said that investors, and I quote, can expect outsized dividend increases to get back to historical payout ranges. Can you talk a little bit about you know historically the banks have beaten the TSX? How much of this outperformance? is due to their discipline of consistently growing dividends versus the rest of the TSX? Look, there is no denying that banks tend to be attractive um, investments to income-oriented investors, and those investors are very much looking to the dividend paid by the banks. You know, the yield on the bank index is now I don't know, around 3.7%. But, you know, wherever it's at right now in that neighborhood, that's over two times the yield on the long bond uh, uh, Canada, uh, uh, long bonds in Canada. And I think, as as Chris alluded to this, uh, on an investment vehicle that has been uh, stress tested a couple of times over the last decade, with uh, with the banks maintaining their dividends, paying those dividends, unlike some of their global pure group where there was, you know, froze, uh, free, free, uh, uh, freezes, if you will, put on the dividend payments. So the banks paid it during the global financial crisis and obviously continued to pay the dividends during the pandemic uh, in the last year or so. And when you look at our target prices and expected total returns on the bank index, you know, roughly, probably, a quarter of the total return is coming from the dividend yield. You know, we remain very optimistic that once the pandemic induced regulatory restrictions, which we've talked about a couple of times on this call, um, uh, around capital return are lifted, the banks will look to get back to within their historical dividend payout ratio ranges uh, fairly quickly. And I think that's the key thing here, that I, we expect them to get back there fairly quickly which to us bodes well for the quote-unquote outsized adjective that we used in the preview. And as you alluded uh, to, you know, the bank index in Canada has outperformed the broader TSX, you know, in the order of magnitude of 75 to 80% of the time. 
you know, if you think about it over the ha last half century, the bank index has outperformed 75% of the time. If you think about it over the last decade, maybe it's been 80% of the time. So it's got a very strong relative performance track record. And, uh, you know, the commitment to the dividends, uh, we believe, is, is a very important uh, contributor to that. And, uh, you know, the banks are outperforming so far this year. We expect that relative outperformance to persist into 2022 as well. Thanks, Sarab. Um, Chris, I wanted to touch on a point that, that uh, Sarab just mentioned, because he talked about the yield on the index being 3.7%. You know, I looked last week or earlier this week, I should say, at the two lowest yielding bank stocks. And uh, National Bank was about 2.85%, I think, on Tuesday when I looked. Uh, Royal Bank was roughly around 3.30%. Talk to us about how these yields compare to the yield on ZEB and how does the lower cost of ZEB create new opportunities for investors? Um, yep, definitely. So the uh, ZEB is a, uh, it, the, the ETF itself is yielding 3.3%, which again reflects that uh, gross yield of the banks, the 3.7 less fees. Uh, yeah, you mentioned two of the lower ones. There's there's a couple higher ones as well. Uh, the Bank of Nova Scotia's I, I see it are about four and a half percent, and CIBC at four percent. So all those uh, you know blends out to be about an average of three point seven. Uh, you know the, the fees is another significant thing because, um, like I mentioned, what the ETF seeks to deliver is um, distributions um, collected or dividends collected, net of fees. So if we lower fees, you know that's going to all things equal put upward pressure on the distribution and net total return to investors. So, um, yeah, I mean, just to reiterate, you, the Canadian banks, there have been a great source of dividend growth. Um, cutting the fee on ZEB is going to, in a sense, add to the dividend growth of ZEB, at least from an ETF perspective. And um, so we've cut our fee and, and hopefully, you know, banks in the near future can be permitted to increase dividends and, and continue to flow that out to investors. Chris and Sorab, again, thank you guys very much for your insights. I've actually jotted down a couple of things, things that I think are key insights, key takeaways. You know, Sorab, from you, I, I think that key point uh, at the end there where, you know, banks are attractive to income-oriented investors, that yield on the index of 3.7% being two times the long bond yield. And then the other point that you made, of course, the most important thing that banks um, have proven the ability to pay those dividends through some extremely stressful times uh, and are also likely to quickly go back to a payout range. Uh, Chris, I think the insight from you about, uh, frankly, just the reduction in the fee from 55 basis points to 25 basis points on ZEB, which, uh, which helps, uh, helps the yield. And, and the fact that that distribution on ZEB is a monthly distribution uh, versus owning the underlying bank stocks where it is quarterly uh, distribution. As a reminder to the audience, you can get exposure to the Canadian banks via ZEB, also ZCN, ZWB, and ZDB. ETFs we didn't talk about today, but all of these ETFs trade on the TSX. Also, you can get exposure to our U.S. banks via ZUB and ZBK or the covered call U.S. banks ETF ZWK, another ETF we did not talk about this time around. Maybe we'll get to that next time. If you have any questions, please visit our ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca for research, news, and insights. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. 
Please join us in mid-December for the next update on Canadian banks. Thank you to Sorab Movahedi, Chris Heeks, and Daniel Stanley for joining us on Deep Dive. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to tune in to our weekly Views from the Desk episodes available each Thursday morning in this same podcast series. And you should also bookmark the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time, without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment tax or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance.